Welcome to Reading for Attention, the weekly podcast where me, Paul, and me busy mate Sarah chat about a recent book whilst drinking a carefully selected beverage. Now, why have we committed to reading a book every single week and talking about it in a public forum? Well, the same reason me and Sarah do anything in life for attention. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Do you get my reference? Happy New Year! No. Friends, fans will be screaming at the... Uh, what do you scream at when you listen to a podcast? A phone? <laughs> <laughs> into the void. The phone. Yeah, yeah. Um, how are you? Um, good, good, yeah, good. I'm in London, as you well know. Oh, but do. I'm not at yours. I'm at my friend Nina's. No, so... It feels like a long time since we've done this. It, well, it has been, really. Because we recorded two in a row. So what's happened since? Well, you had your COVID Christmas. I went home to... Oh, yeah, so we didn't get to see each other in Edinburgh. Sad, sad. <laughs> Although I've moved my flight to your birthday in February, Yay! so that's okay. Um, I, so then I went home two days early in Newcastle, and I was there for probably the longest I've been there since uni or something. Wow. Of days too much, um, but <laughs> overall, it was a nice experience. Um, <laughs> and then came back to London, and who arrived on the same day but Sarah Hopkins? <laughs> so then we had a lovely few days together. Arrived on the 30th, mm-hmm. we sat up till half one on the sofa bed, looking at all of the old videos on our phones. Forgot how many gems there are on there. Yeah, some that I don't even remember recording. Well, most, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then we had New Year. I had quite a reasonably quiet New Year at um, my my flat. Well, Uh, quiet, except for the fact that you tried. (laughs) What were you doing when you fell over? Trying to perform some sort of move? No, I wasn't. It it just the ground just rushed up to meet me. (laughs) (laughs) It was an almighty thwack. Um, I was worried that that was it and I, I, I was worried that you were just sort of like, oh, you know just, oh, that's fine doesn't hurt doesn't hurt when really you desperately need to go in it any yeah no I think I've done some probably <laughs> semi-permanent damage to my skeleton but yeah <laughs> we'll see <laughs> we'll see well I've got a pretty bad back because at one point Sarah just decided that she wanted everyone to do a crab um, <laughs> I'm not just a crab she wanted us all to fall back into a crab <laughs> so, which is just virtually that, impossible. Was that my idea? I thought it was your idea. Oh, I don't know. I mean, it sounds, yeah, that sounds. Yeah, I mean, probable. I managed it for attention. I did it, but my back's not really been the same since. <laughs> yeah, um, but But yeah, so brought in the new year. What do you say rung in the new year? Rung in the new year? Yeah. We thrung in the new year together. <laughs> uh, we watched some hoot nanny i think or something then yeah sarah was in bed by one but we'll not talk about that (laughs) yeah i think um i just got a bit too carried away some self-isolation teamed with a self-diagnosis of not being able to get drunk (laughs) slash hangovers post-covid oh my god yes tell us talk about that talk about that that fucking ridiculous theory that you've got (laughs) well it's not it's thoroughly debunked now (laughs) I think just because I've been self I'd been self-isolating obviously I wasn't getting mortal by myself every night um and then when I did make it back home had a few 
bottles of Prosex with my mum and it just didn't seem to touch the side. So I thought, well, this is clearly long COVID and one of the um, <laughs> undiscovered symptoms is it you don't get pissed and you don't get hungover because I was waking up every morning fresh as a daisy and we were drinking a considerable amount, but it clearly just was considerable in comparison to the nil that I'd been drinking the previous sort of couple of weeks. So uh, mm. I just got a bit cocky when a couple of our friends arrived at Paul and Michael's. I was telling them this theory with <laughs> quite a healthy dose of confidence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just don't Delusional. Yeah, and so, yeah, did a backwards crab, mm-hmm. fell over, threw up, and was in Paul and Michael's bed by 1am. Yep, and then you tried to resurface about 20 minutes later, after a long, long, long session in the toilet. I remember all of us needed wheeze, and it was just like, taking a long time. Are you joking? <laughs> oh, no. It, it was, was fine. Hard. We held them in. This is a bit uh, grotesque, but I thought I thought I was doing a really good job of containing... Um, the sort of surface area where the vomit was hitting and mm. then I like sat back and how wrong I was so I had to do a quick cleanup mission which is difficult when you can't see <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so and then yeah I mean you, you you got back up for about 15 minutes and then you were back yeah. again but all in good fun and then the next day I mean oh. you weren't well <laughs> no. I was all right you know I, I I don't know how I've managed I think it's partly psychological but I just remember thinking <laughs> I'm going to stop when I feel like my fine motor skills are going. So as soon as I couldn't, you know, I was help me up off the floor. Yeah. I thought, right. I'm going to, when I say stop, I mean, slow down a little bit. And the next day I was fine. And we went to Blackheath, um, lovely part of London and met because our other friend who was supposed to be hosting new year had COVID and her first day of isolation was the first. So we had, we had to go and see her. (laughs) Laura, Laura, we wanted to see you. We wanted to come and see you, yeah. Yeah, so we went and, yeah, had a a big sort of day pub crawl. It was lovely, though, wasn't it? It was. I mean, you you had to really fight through it, but I think in the end you did. Yeah. And now I've got, I didn't get flashbacks still. And again, I didn't think I was that bad, but I've now got flashbacks of us in a very, very quiet pub where the the DJ, who I presume was just someone who had their phone, said, we can just mm-hmm. play whatever you want. And mm-hmm. and yeah, I was doing some very vigorous, vigorous dancing. Was that, have you only just, have they only just come back to you? No, no, it was, it, was, it was the next day at some point. Right, I was going to say, because I would have happily reminded you of that. Oh, God, no. You kept coming up to me, you kept saying, do you know what I think's really special? And I was like, what's really special? You said, that I'm mortal and you're not. <laughs> I did in my head think this has got to be the first time this has ever happened and then I thought oh god I wonder if she's not gonna like me when she sees me drunk when she's sober I was obsessed with you (laughs) good Um, put you down (laughs) and then back to hours and then on new year's the second of january (laughs) I was was thinking what's the opposite Christmas Christmas eve eve new year's day day uh we just sat and watched uh episodes of Lindsay can we quickly talk about Lindsay wow so I remember this at the very beginning of me when me and Michael were just like dating we weren't even a fish uh-huh. uh Lindsay Lohan's documentary came out that was on the Oprah network and it was kind of the premise was Oprah knows how talented Lindsay is and she's going to come and save her career and uh, it was a docuseries which is just a euphemism for trash reality tv mm-hmm. and it was about it was 23 
2013, 2014 or something. She was about 27. Do you ever, oh, sorry, another sidebar here. What's weird about the TV industry is that obviously that, that version of Lindsay doesn't age. And when I first watched it, I was 22 and I was a lot more understanding. And now I'm 30, <laughs> so I'm much older than that Lindsay. And it's unbelievable how different my opinion is of her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How suddenly the the acceptance turns to a friendly judgment. Oh, yeah. I mean, barely friendly. When I was 22, I thought, well, yeah, there's absolutely no problem being two hours late for work. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely <laughs> joking. She's got $2 million to do this docuseries. It's on Amazon Prime. Thoroughly recommend. It's so good. Oh, my God. And, well, she's my age in it. Yeah. Um, And I just, it it was like, it was quite the, what would I, what would you call it? oxymoron maybe because I was also I was like how has my life gone so wrong that I'm not living in a penthouse apartment in New York City like doing nothing with my days but also how has hers also gone so wrong that it's just full-time career of chaos yeah yeah well I'd I'd really recommend it especially early January uh Amazon Prime (laughs) for those who are feeling a little bit shit about their lives Watch Lindsay because yes, she does live in a beautiful apartment in Soho, but it's the most chaotic, stressful TV show I've ever watched because she just cannot do anything right. She's an utter disaster. She takes absolutely no accountability. It is perfect reality TV. So yeah, and and also just I remember just after she did this um, docu series, she went to the West End and did. Uh, a play speed the plow and me and anthony went to go and see it and it's the only, i think it's the only play she's ever done um, yeah. she she was she wasn't great in it uh but the, i mean it's a famous play apparently but the whole yeah. audience was just gay men and, and when she came on it was like some sort of concert everyone was like we're lindsay <laughs> like in a really respectable we love you <laughs> literally <laughs> <laughs> and it was a guy from the West Wing who was in it as well. Uh, yeah. So, and I remember seeing the her, a personal assistant in in that show who, bless him, God, what a saint, what a saint. That poor, poor, poor oh, man. God. Rich but poor man. Rich but poor. Um, yeah, but she, part of the, a lot of the series is her trying to secure this apartment. And in, in New York, they have sort of boards. What do they call them? Uh, yeah, like boards. Like an uh, approval board. Yeah, you know? basically of people on. Um, oh, I've learned it from Real Housewives. I forgot what it's called. And they have to decide whether these people are right for their buildings. And obviously, Lindsay Lohan is not right for any building because she's an absolute disaster. She just smokes everywhere. Does all, and she's just come out of rehab, and um, she can't get in anywhere. And then Oprah, Oprah's TV network pays for the deposit as a, as a. Um, she fronts them. What's it called? She gives her an advance. Advance. Yeah. Um, and it's like uh, a, it's almost like a bit of a binding uh, contract because prior to that point, Lindsay didn't agree to a schedule for shooting. Yeah. And then, Pil- is it Pilgrim Productions had mm. said we'll pay for this flat, which the I think the insurance excess insurance excess was ten million dollars, so they were expecting us to do some considerable damage. Yeah, um, and they'd said if we give you this money, you have to show up for these filming days. And she's going, you can't, you can't predict that I'm gonna fuck up before I fucked up. You've got to let me do it, and then blah blah blah. And then guess what? She fucks up every single day. Mm-hmm. And I looked up how much that apartment cost, and it was eighteen thousand six hundred dollars a month. <laughs> legend we love you Lindsay 
She's engaged yeah. now, just got engaged in November to a really rich man. So, and she lives in Dubai. So, mm-hmm. a, a different life, but I really recommend this capsule in time that is uh, the documentary Lindsay. Um, right. Shall we move on to the butts? Yes, let's. Uh, so, Paul, tell us what we are reading and drinking this week. So, what we are reading is our first international fan recommendation, which we're very <laughs> excited about. Called and it's absorbed by Kylie Whitehead, uh, published last. Well, I'll tell you about it. Um, and what we're drinking is, well, what I'm drinking is, Sarah, mm-hmm. cold, 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 dry, 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 pina, pina, grigio, which yep. is my favorite drink of all time. What are you drinking, Sarah? Quickly, I've not been able, ever since you said that the first time, I've not been able to, it's just been on a loop in my head, like all the way around Tesco getting cold, 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 dry, 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 pina, pina, grigio. <laughs> all I was doing was going cold, 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 dry, 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 pina, pina, grigio. Um, <laughs> But guess what? Because I'm not, I didn't want to drink a whole bottle yeah. to myself. So I wanted to get one of those little mini bottles, but they don't yeah. have, have them. So what I've got instead is a cocoa cold, <gasps> not too dry, but Pinot Grigio Fizz. And it's in a can <sighs> and it's called, brand is called Most Wanted. I've had that on the, the train, train, train. Have you? Because yeah. it does say that. It says, you're holding a can of fizzy wine nice these nitty nifty little tins are good to go picnics camping trips and festivals are when you just fancy the one glass of fizz and they are good for the planet too so it doesn't say that it's dry 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 but i'm just gonna crack it open Ooh, that was satisfying <laughs> why did you sniff it because <laughs> it was quite potent all right Ooh, yeah. yeah do you know what that works yay well done i, I take i i do you accept my offerings yeah, i accept oh fabulous right oh by the way are you feeling better now sarah i feel like the listeners will want to know yes i'm feeling completely fine but i just have this sort of froggy throat that i can't quite clear so mm. if like if i sound like i'm losing my voice a bit it's it's fine it's all just for attention and sex appeal yeah it's very i was it's always very sexy no oh, babe right so absorbed so yes. Absorbed, which is told in the first person, is about Alison, who's been with her boyfriend Owen for 10 years since university. She works in a really boring office job for the local council and her life is only made slightly interesting by this relationship with Owen. And it looks like the relationship is slipping away at the beginning of this book. So after a New Year party, Alison is worried that she's going to lose Owen. She's more than worried. She's terrified that she's going to lose Owen. They seem to be drifting apart. Um, So they start having sex in a hotel room and she literally absorbs him into her body. And I mean, all of him, his entire body. Uh, he's, he's just gone. <laughs> so then soon she starts kind of taking on Owen's characteristics, kind of his better characteristics, becoming the person that she always wanted to be, the person that she always thought she should be. But what the hell does all this mean? That's the last thing I wrote. Because I was like, I could, it's again, it's not hugely plotty, but that's the mm. premise. She absorbs her boyfriend, literally. Funny things start happening and she is navigating the world with her boyfriend inside of her. <laughs> I can't make that not sound sexual and I guess yeah. it is sexual on many levels uh, so it's Kylie Whitehead's mm-hmm. debut novel and the first book published by New Ruins which is a collaborative project between Dead Ink and Influx Press so New Ruins is a paper paperback originals imprint and imprints are like publishing houses have imprints that do uh, particular things don't they so you'll get an imprint of Penguin that publishes YA or an imprint yeah, yeah, that's that's what it means, isn't it? But yeah. this is a, a collab between two kind of publishing houses. And what it's focused on is the porous and uncanny boundary between the edgelands of literary and genre fiction. And we bang on about oh. literary fiction and 
commercial fiction, but we never we haven't really talked about genre fiction, but this is kind of blurring the boundaries. And it publishes books that are comfortable sitting across within or outside of genre labels for readers who are not afraid of transgressing boundaries, Ooh. which with my limited, ex- my limited experience and understanding of publishing, it's very, it's very common and for publishing imprints and publishers in general to have really specific genres that they're looking for and, and mm-hmm. genres that fit very neatly into different imprints. So to, I think to have two that are coming together and saying we want to specifically do something that transgresses these genre boundaries is much needed in the industry um, and is quite exciting. And I mean, we'll talk about it, but this is the first, yeah. this is the first and actually only book to date that New Ruins has published. So it's kind of them saying like, this is what we're about. Because um, yeah. So, yeah, that would, yeah. it would have been so difficult to market in a more traditional sense. How, or not market, but for Kylie Whitehead to push to an agent and then to um, publishers beyond that, because it it's, a very difficult to grasp book and concept. Yeah, especially in terms of genre, because it crosses so many genres. So yeah, agents are often like, what is this book? Where does it fit? Where do you, where would you see it on a shelf? What's it next to? And sometimes it's difficult to say, and that's kind of, well, we don't have time to figure out where that's going to be. We need to fit into the market now because it's so competitive. So what did you think then, Sarah? I liked it. I did like it, mainly because I think the main character, Alison, well, the, the perspective... Um, narrator. The narrator, that's it. Alison is somehow likeable. Um, she's really, like, sarcastic and sardonic and can be quite nasty, but she's also quite witty, and she has all of these insecurities that, um, because it's first-person narration, she's so upfront about and there were some parts of it where she'd say something that was so like perfectly described something that it's like oh, one of those universal feelings but that no one's ever actually put into words before especially about sort of the very intricate like jealousies that people have when you're in a relationship and then that person that you're in a relationship with having other sort of friendships and relationships outside of that and all of these kind of little tiny veins of like human emotions that you just never really voice there were some I thought really brilliant moments where she kind of said all of that really um succinctly and relatably and it's like you know when you see something online and then you're like oh shit I thought that was just a me thing yeah and then everyone in the comments or whatever is like oh my god we're literally all living the same life or whatever Mm -hmm. that was really good I think the book was really good at doing that which was very useful because what actually happens is incredibly unrelatable (laughs) it was there was almost a point in it when because she even says you know like uh, am I the only absorber that there is or like are Mm -hmm. there is this like a pandemic like I don't know are people just absorbing people left right and center and then I was like what if the like it could be feasible like what if there was because of the way that she's sort of talking about it um almost how like in Clara in the Sun it seemed feasible that that future could exist just in the tone of this and like the voice of this book I was like it could kind of it could kind of be a thing like by the end of it I was like yeah maybe I yeah all right (laughs) I haven't seen Sandra in a while maybe (laughs) absorbed have I ever absorbed any someone (laughs) absorbed me (laughs) um one of the strongest points I think was character especially her character because it's not until a good few maybe like 100 pages that we actually even learn her name yeah um but the thing that I thought was most impressive about it was the idea that she is that well she absorbs a boyfriend because it's like she almost can't get close enough to him because she's so scared of losing him 
Yeah. Um, and and like you said in your overview, he is almost that. She's quite happy saying that he's the only important thing in her life. And she goes on about how great he is and how much she loves him and all of the times that she's almost loved him a little bit too much. And what was really impressive, and it only took me until halfway through the book to even realise that I have no fucking clue who Owen is, the boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about him. All we know is about Alison and her, well, it's not even really her perception of him. It's her perception of herself yeah. that dictates the entire narrative. And it's just her complete and utter self-absorption that drives because yeah it isn't hugely plot heavy but what plot there is everything is driven by her self obsessiveness and I thought that I'm just desperate to not say clever but I just thought (laughs) because I was like oh my god how have I only just realized now that even though I'm like in her thoughts because I'm in her thoughts it's very easy for me to get on board with the idea that Owen is the be all and end all but actually this could easily transitioned onto any other character because actually Owen is just any other person there's no reason for me to believe that um, he is as exceptional as he think, as she thinks he is. It's just that she has is so obsessed with her, well, his perception of her and in turn her perception of their entire relationship. Yeah, it was just a way of using the writing to sort of indicate her own character more than any of the others, even though it seems for a very long time to be exclusively about Owen. Yeah. And I think that we, we've we read quite a few books where the narrator isn't particularly likeable on paper, mm. but we get to like them. And I don't think that that's actually an easy thing to do. I think that... So difficult. Yeah, and, and the fact that... I mean, Alison's really annoying sometimes. She's she's a bad friend. Like at one point, she's got this lovely friend called Natalie who she mm-hmm. tweets like... She, and she's just so self-obsessed that uh, Natalie kind of has to say, listen, I'm just going to have to step away from, from you for a while because you haven't even asked me a question in the last six weeks and I'm listening to all of your problems but still you kind of feel a bit sorry for Alison and obviously it's because it's from her perspective but it would be very easy to write a book where you just were like oh I'm not even reading you Alison because you're so Mm -hmm. annoying um so I liked I liked that and I think you could maybe argue that the absorption metaphor is a little on the nose but but it didn't bother me too much I think there and it is very relatable this idea that she does not know who the hell she is without Owen it's not even that it's she doesn't exist without Owen in her head she's been with him Mm -hmm. for so long she doesn't want to know what it's like without him she's in a shitty job nothing about her life she enjoys except him and that's in her own head because it's clear they don't have a good relationship and it made me think of a couple of things that I think are universal the relationships where you are with somebody and they are not being the person that you want them to be Mm -hmm. and that causes all of the and, and vice versa and that causes all of the arguments in the relationship all of the tension all of the passion in lots of cases and then finally it comes to a head and you break up and then that person is everything that you wanted them to be when you were together and I mean it might just be superficial stuff I remember what once I had a part a boyfriend who uh, hated the fact that I was always going clubbing (laughs) (laughs) which I think is probably like quite normal for teenagers and I was like well come with me I'm not going there to shag people I'm going there to have a massive dance like I just Mm -hmm. want it that's I love it in there like it makes me feel happy no 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 that don't want to why would you want to do that when you're in a relationship blah 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 uh break up the next fucking week he's in the club that I always was Mm -hmm. going I was like why couldn't you do that with me and when you're 19 you don't understand that it's because you weren't right for each other and he didn't feel like he could be that person in front of me and he really wanted to be that person but he couldn't give that to me and you know and that's fine um so I guess the solution would have been if I'd have just absorbed him yeah or, and then or, take or him with you to the club yeah. 
<laughs> like I'm joking, but it's true because she yeah. absorbs Owen and takes on his qualities. Um, and and her life gets infinitely better. Yeah, and she as a sees, single person, she sees like, life in a completely not completely different way, but she starts to yeah. notice things about her life. And the only way that it, it, the only way that she's been able to maybe empathize is by literally absorbing him, because you are yeah. just completely out of yourself when you're in those kind of toxic relationships. And she's and again, it's a, it, it, this cliche or this this thing that happens all the time when you get into a really intense relationship and forget about all your friends. Like, so there's so much to kind of, there's so much PTSD and involved in reading something like this um but did you think Um, it was maybe two on the nose yeah well I was just gonna say how it's like how how long did you spend trying to figure out the practicalities of it all because it took me a long time to accept the fact that I just had to accept it um because well I think they do a really good job of um she isn't she doesn't always make the right decisions in fact she very rarely makes the right decisions but (laughs) it does sidestep being annoying somehow she's still quite relatable um, there are certain steps that you would probably take if you had physically absorbed someone. <laughs> I know what exactly what you're saying. You're suspending disbelief, basically. Yeah, and it, which is what you were saying about it being sort of a genre blending um, yeah. piece of work is fine, and I'm fine with that. But I, but then I didn't know how ready I was to accept it, like as she was, um, and why there wasn't I don't know because there were certain things that she did bother with a bit of an explanation with like there was a bit of consistent sort of thought about how she was going to tell people where Owen was um no one seemed to be looking that hard for him well exactly (laughs) but then it gets to the point where it's like surely by now someone is going to be like should we file this in person to report yeah yeah so it's like why how can those two things really coexist you can either I think you either have to fully go down one route I mean well that's not the case because she doesn't and it works but like I just I was always I felt a little bit trapped between these two ideas of either yeah you fully stick to the idea that you need to cover this thing up that you've done because people are going to start asking questions and people are going to start looking for him because he's also a very popular likable person apparently apparently yeah with friends and family and then also on the flip side just go weeks without not doing a whole lot yeah. about it and that being fine so I had a similar thought I think the way that I think of these things is it's about the setup for me so the fact that because it was all very realistic until she absorbed him mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's called absorbed so I was expecting it and the beautiful fan uh, told us that, that was going to happen yes So when someone got absorbed, I thought, right, okay, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief on all other levels now. Surely this this author is making a point about relationships and the way that people live their lives and personal relationships, female relationships, feminism, all this stuff. So I was like focusing on that rather than where's Owen. And I kind of, but to be honest, throughout throughout the book, I was thinking, is this, is is this really happening? Are we going to discover that it hasn't? Like, so, and, and I guess you could argue that it might not have happened. You know, there's not a huge mm-hmm. lot, amount of resolution. Um, and I, I, what I would compare that to is, so the new series of Sex and the City is out. And just like that, bear with me here. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just okay, I would say. Anyway, on one of the episodes, everybody knows that Big dies. And if you don't know, sorry, I've ruined it, but Big dies in like episode two, I think. And she walks in. No. Oh no. <laughs> That's what the whole thing's but about. Also, I wanted him to because of it's literally thing. what the whole series is about. It's it was all in the press. It's not I'd like it's not like okay. 
I mean, it is a twist. Sorry, sorry, but I needed to illustrate my point. Oh, God, I think people are going to kick off. Um, we'll have to write spoiler alerts. I don't know what. Basically, he's in the shower and has a heart attack and he falls down at the floor and he's still very much alive. You can very much survive heart attacks. Um, mm-hmm. No, he goes into cardiac arrest. It's not whatever. And mm-hmm. she sort of stands there for a while, like thinking about him and then runs up to him and then hugs him in the shower and cries, oh, big, oh, no, don't leave me and all this shit. I couldn't okay. suspend my disbelief then because what you would do is ring the police immediately. Not the police. <laughs> you'd ring an, an ambulance. ambulance straight away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I couldn't get over that because yeah. Sex and the City is supposed to be set in this reality, right? Mm-hmm. With Absorbed, where people are going around sucking people up through their fannies or whatever. I'm all right with <laughs> the mother being too... Because Owen's mother just seems like, a, you know, too self-obsessed in her own life to yeah. even consider the absorption. Um, Alison's <laughs> parents are in Thailand and they're like, oh, do you want me to come home? Oh, it's right there in Thailand the whole time I think it's kind of making a point about how everybody's sort of selfish uh but I bet that was a discussion that they had that 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 Kylie had with her agent and editor saying do we need to make some more excuses about where Owen is yeah because well this is the thing I was I was also really ready to suspend um disbelief completely but there was just something about the, the the voice of it all mm. that almost wouldn't let me do that and so the, I was just questioning the whole time like is is he dead or has mm. she made him up has she been single the whole time is this her just realizing is she alive like I just spent a lot of the book searching for answers that I always knew that I was never going to get as yeah. well but I don't think it detracted from my enjoyment. I do think it was, I think for the most part, it was really well written. She was a really like interesting character, despite um, how self-obsessed and self-absorbed she is. I think she was like, I didn't mind reading from her perspective at all. Um, I do think there were some moments that felt, I mean, it doesn't really go into it too much, but Alison is a wannabe writer. And I think that's always a really clever way, especially in first person narrative, of allowing these sort of beautiful moments of description. Because when a writer writes about a writer, it's obviously like, why would, like, I can't make her someone who does, like, or someone that wouldn't normally have these sort of quite poetic uh, views of like there's one point where it says something like um oh, fear tickled its fingers down my spine or something mm-hmm. like that and it's like all right well that's convenient that she wants to be a writer and she would have that kind of thought yeah. I'm not saying that people that aren't writers wouldn't have that kind of thought but it just was like there was quite a lot of that very uh, fluid poetic description mm. which I wasn't upset about I liked it there were some really nice moments sometimes I felt as though it dragged on a little bit too long because as well with something like absorbing your boyfriend <laughs> I'm like tell me more about that like yeah can, like look in the mirror can you see him um um so yeah I don't think it was ever like overwritten really but it kind of was quite jarring against her voice and also the content Mm -hmm. but then I think I don't know whether or not this is something that I dislike I just think it's something that I'm not used to and whether I'm trying to figure out that actually yeah something that I could actually quite enjoy if I just Mm -hmm. wasn't so concerned about it falling quite neatly into these categories of like yes yeah and I guess that's what they're trying to do with this new Mm. imprint um just quickly it did make me think of how many books you read about writers so if you think of our friggin' books so beautiful world uh the promise this one i think boy parts as well i've i'll talk about boy parts at the end but so many of them are about writers i suppose it's just a it's something that they know (laughs) yeah exactly it's i think 
as much as I had my hang-ups about the book, A Little Life, one of the uh... things that Yanagihara did really well was all four of those protagonists or all four of those sort of central characters had very different, a bit too impressive, but very different, very what? impressive jobs and all of them were so because it's i mean it's long you've got to research a whole other background like yeah that's why books written by not traditional <laughs> not writers who want to be writers i think are sometimes better because <laughs> they've yeah. got knowledge elsewhere whereas writers are like shit what's this person gonna do for a job well i know right. gonna be a failed writer because that's what i've been <laughs> for the first 25 years of my life or 50 <laughs> years of my life uh, one thing we haven't touched upon is the black comedy so that's one of the other mm-hmm. sort of genres that this falls into and i did find myself laughing quite a lot especially yeah. at, the dis- at the sort of the description of absorbing boyfriends and things becomes sort of more and more nonchalant like the first time she explains it it's quite traumatic and then obviously she needs to keep referencing that and it'll start chapters being nice so yeah so since the other day when I absorbed my boyfriend and it's just like completely cavalier and I just find yeah. that really funny I, I don't yeah. know why there'd be times where she'd be like ever since I absorbed Owen I yeah. have been <laughs> like, yeah. <"All> right. <laughs> just as if like obviously you need to take that as as fact I'm gonna um, have a quick look at the bits that are highlighted as well you make that well, because I highlighted a few I can tell you what I thought because the other thing I thought was hilarious and thanks to international fan because I mm. feel like I, I texted Sarah after I'd read about 30 pages being like this person it sees right through us they know exactly who we are um, because there was so much about jealousy and attention seeking and one of my favorite passages was so she's looking at an inhaler that Owen had for his very mild asthma <laughs> and I just was like made me Sarah. <laughs> and she says it was an inhaler Owen's the pale blue plastic kind for occasional asthma attacks which we I think we've already talked about how jealous I was of people who had the blue inhalers he hardly ever used it but when he did I would feel uncomfortable that I could do nothing for him that the small plastic device that could be used autonomously could prove so essential to his existence in a way that I did not I had learned the boundaries of acceptability and knew that I could speak to no one of my romantic jealousy of a medical device <laughs> and I just love that because I don't think Ellis, I don't think Alison finds that funny I think Kylie no. finds that funny yeah, so Alison yeah, is genuinely yeah, yeah. looking at this inhaler thinking I'm really fucking jealous of you because you you save his life and you get him in his gob all the time <laughs> and Kylie's <laughs> like isn't this some stupid shit that we as humans do and it's I've, I've been there been there sister yeah oh my god yeah in terms of the description that I was talking about these really nice little moments of description that weren't too overwritten listen to this one <laughs> A passing bus carved the sun from the sky and flung it at my face. Everything felt like a personal attack. <laughs> like the sun shining. She's like, oh, for God's sake, you're just you doing that to annoy not? me. <laughs> Which I, I, I say that about everything. A personal attack. Yeah. COVID yeah. has been a personal attack on me. Yeah. And then also things like the sky was the dull shade of an unpolished fork. And... Um, Choking out the words on heaving sobs, thick and sloppy as meat fat. Oh, yeah. I, I remember all of these lines. Like, it's um, obviously, she's she is brilliant. One thing I did notice was so when you look up how to write a book on Google, one of the first things that comes <laughs> up. <laughs> so basically, one of the first rules of writing that seems to come up is this idea of filter words. So mm-hmm. you're not supposed to say, "I saw the sun shining." You should just say, "The sun was shining." 
um, mm. or I felt the rain on my back. It should be the the rain pattered on my back, you know, because it takes you out of the yeah the whatever the flow and the rhythm. Yeah, and and the world, I suppose. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot of filtering in this book, but it didn't bother me. It, it's annoying because I don't even think I would notice if I hadn't Googled how to write a book. But I kind of saw that as her being so detached from her world that she is noticing these things and seeing this and looking at this rather than it just happening to her because yeah. she's seeing the world as like, fuck, I've got no Owen anymore. But I don't know if that was just me trying to slot that in because I didn't want to criticize it because it didn't it didn't bother us. But I just thought it would be an example of filtering. I don't think you've read my year of rest and relaxation. No. If you have read my year of rest and relaxation, really similar voice, not hugely different in terms of plot or in, in terms of like a character feeling like they aren't a part of the same world as everyone else. Obviously, um, I can't remember the character in that book, but she doesn't absorb her boyfriend. She doesn't even have a boyfriend. So yeah, if you enjoyed Loser. my year of rest and relaxation, <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> if you enjoyed my year of rest and relaxation, I really think that this would be a good book for you to read. Well, this is um, it's all getting a bit uh, abstract if you haven't read the book. But things that we haven't managed yeah. to cover because we've been banging on for a while now. It's mm. it crosses other genres as well. Body horror being one of them, which will come on it with boy parts, and there's also spirituality and Satan and atheism and all of this kind of stuff and then there's a lot of feminist particularly to do with women's bodies so it really does cover a huge amount of genres if you think of it being a a black comedy as well so I think well would you read the second book by this imprint would you be interested in it oh 100% yeah yeah 100% I'm trying to think now after this chat if I got the opportunity to speak to Kylie Whitehead would I still want to say to her go on tell me was it a metaphor or did it really happen like I want her to explain it to me still I think I don't know I'm trying to I'd like to know what her thoughts are but I'm sure she would say well it's up to you reader exactly well, exactly it's she your book but no I think I definitely would read the next one of, of these as well I think it's a bold statement that they've made with this book and it makes me really intrigued and I think it's just refreshing to see a publisher not sticking to genre because I think there's, yeah. a, there's a huge amount of diversity now as you'll mm. have seen through the books that we're reading this year which is wonderful but I don't know necessarily if there's diversity of genre in the same way and I think this is probably like an underrepresented genre as in elements of this are underrepresented like yeah. body horror and all of that kind of thing which I love um, um, and also just yeah. finally I think it was very fitting that the first book we read this year was by an author called Kylie because I'm sure as we're all thinking about our New Year's resolutions <sighs> and thinking on the past year we'll remember another Kylie's positings on I think it was the year 2016 16 and she said I really think this is going to be the year of realizing stuff and yeah I think that's really appropriate I think we're going to realise a lot of stuff this year, Paul. I think I'm going to realise quite a bit of stuff. Can you believe that was six years ago? Oh, Jesus. And she was still mega famous then. Well done, Kylie. Well done, Kylie mm. Jens. And uh, well done, Kylie Whitehead, because I'm oh, yeah, yeah. the next book by this imprint. And I'm probably also going to read the next book by her because I like this kind of voice. I don't. I know we say it all the time, but it was really millennial. And yeah, I, I do. Think about people that are like me. 
Me too. Me, me, me. And I'm excited that we're reading these debuts because I don't, I've never mm-hmm. thought about reading in this way before. I just pick up books and read them. And now I'm mm-hmm. sort of researching them and thinking, oh, what's Kylie Whitehead going to do next? I think that'll get me more attention. So exactly. Brilliant. And we forgot to mention the reason we're drinking dry, 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 cold, 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 peanut butter grigio is it's because it's the drink that I like to absorb the most. <laughs> mm-hmm. And absorb uh, it, you do. I do. We talked about New Year's resolutions in our New Year's Eve podcast, mm-hmm. but how well are yours going? Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe I should do this. Maybe this can be called the accountability section. Every how many week. independent stores have you bought from this week, Paul? So I'm doing really, really bad. <laughs> and <laughs> I was... Well, are we I, on day four? Yeah, I mean... I was doomed from the start because I got, well, £80 worth of Amazon vouchers. I got some from my uncle and some from opening a new credit card. <laughs> so, and I've, I've actually been on Amazon and they've got this new thing went on some of the items where it says climate pledge on this item, like pretending that it's good for the environment. Greenwashing, babe, yeah, greenwashing. greenwashing. But yeah, I, so I'm trying to just buy Kindle books with that 80 quid because I think how bad for the environment at least can that be? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i've had two amazon deliveries today if you must know <laughs> oh, well as you can tell my my one of change my personality is going astonishingly well who are you i did a crab at your party because not enough people were looking at me i fell yeah. over threw up last night i told a story about how i talk too much just because i wanted to talk more <laughs> so yeah, yeah off to a flying start as well he called, uh, yeah, one of the videos that we watched when, because we hadn't seen each other for a while and we did just sit up watching loads of vids and chatting. And one of them was from, there was this one time. So we're at a party. <laughs> There's a video of us at a party and I'm dancing and I have people's attention. And it's clear that I've said, film me dancing. And I do have people's sort of vague attention, but then they sort of start to look away and make their own conversations. So I just grab this bottle off the coffee table, put it on the floor, pretend to sit on it and go, kinga, 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 to try and get everyone's attention back. So I'm sure you're all really, really, really relieved to know that Paul and I have managed to spend some time together despite me getting COVID, which I'm furious about because I think I dodged COVID. I was at first I was one of those people that said I had it really early on because that's a thing. That is a thing, isn't it? Yeah. But then I I realised that people would do it. Yeah. But then I realised that people were doing that. So I was like, oh, no, 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 I've never had it. I've never had it. I've never had it. And then I fucking got it when literally everybody else in the country mm. had it. And I was just, right, I spent my isolation just pure fucking fuming. Mm-hmm. Um, and why was I so... Oh, oh, so obviously yeah. Paul and Michael couldn't come and stay with me in Edinburgh. Luckily, I got to them by New Year. Um, I'm still in London now. And... I think we'll probably be recording the next podcast. I think we should do it on Sunday, which means that we'll be really hungover. Oh, yeah. And really funny because we've got a big, big, big weekend coming up. Are we not getting back on Monday? Yeah, but we can record it on the Sunday. I think that would be funny if me and you just were like, sorry, guys, we're really busy. We've just got to step out and just record the podcast. All right. Yeah, we'll just have to go in different rooms. Yeah. But yeah, we're going away for our dear friend Anthony's 30th birthday party this weekend so if we remember to we'll record some really attention-seeking moments oh yeah 
that we can share with you because I think it, I think there's going to be a, a bit of a battle for attention. Paul mentioned that one of the people coming because I don't know a huge amount of Anthony's friends. Paul mentioned just in passing last week that one of Anthony's <laughs> friends is a stand-up comedian. So you can all you can all envision how I'm going to behave this weekend. <laughs> if she makes one joke funnier than me, <laughs> imagine if you just twatted her in the face, <laughs> punched her. Yeah, Paul. I do these weird things and I get oh, drunk. God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tie. You know those things that mams put around their wrists and attach themselves to their toddlers. I think I'm yeah. gonna do that with you. Please do it. Please do it. And then if if you see me trying to drop into a fucking crab, yank me back into standing <laughs> position. This it just reminded me a few years ago. I invited my cousin to my then boyfriend's Christmas party. And I don't know what was happening. We were doing like special talents or whatever. And my cousin was getting loads of attention and I could not bear it. And then at one point she stood up and one of her attention seeking things was that she could essentially tie her whole body into a knot. So she was doing that and she was on one foot and I saw my opportunity, Paul, and I took it and I pushed her to the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone at the party was like, Sarah, why have you just done that? And I was like, ha, ha. I was like, well, that was funny. Like, get up. And she was like, oh. lying on the floor looking at me like, wow. Oh, when you have Im- immediately after you do something and you're just like, I wish I hadn't done that. Yeah, uh, I just had to storm out of the room. When I was uh, a toddler or something, when I, I could talk, but I was mm. quite, I, I'm, as I said, I was an attention seeker from birth. And we used to go on holiday to with this family and they had some a child who was just about my age, a little bit younger, who I was annoyed at because younger people get more attention. And then they had this baby for this particular holiday and they brought this a baby on the holiday and everyone was cooing over the baby. And I was getting <laughs> minimal attention, no matter how hard I tried. I was stripping off. I was, you know, doing whatever I could to get attention. Couldn't get it. So apparently my mum said... Holding your breath in the pool for a really yeah, long time. Yeah, yeah. Smacking me head off things as I sometimes do. <laughs> and my mum said that I just went up to the family and I went, can we not just pop him in the oven? <laughs> I was like three. <laughs> oh, you were three? Yeah. I, I don't know want... if that makes it funnier or not. <laughs> Well, I just, I think the phrase pop him in the oven is a bit <laughs> precocious for a three-year-old, but I just couldn't handle, I could not handle that this baby was getting attention. So I wanted <laughs> to roast it. It's <laughs> 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 quite uh, sinister really, isn't it? <laughs> but because like, as a three-year-old, you can't have known that this, you will have just meant that surely you can't have known you can't have meant that as a joke (laughs) no I don't think I was being like witty I think I genuinely (laughs) wanted him to burn alive (laughs) I'm being really obnoxious in the room yeah so I relate I relate basically right (laughs) on that note should we move on to next week's book yes okay next week Paul we're going to be reading Boy Parts, uh, a debut novel by Eliza Clark. It was originally published in 2020, but I got it for Christmas 2021. So we're reading it now. Um, and it's set in Newcastle. Oh, uh, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> 
And the final uh, paragraph on Goodreads, like the description that Goodreads gives, and I'm just going to quickly read this out, is it's a pitch black comedy, both shocking and hilarious, fearlessly exploring the taboo regions of sexuality and gender roles in the 21st century. So as Cheryl Cole says in Cher Lloyd's first audition for The X Factor, that is right up May Street. <laughs> right up May Street. Um, and of course, you have out attention sought me because mm-hmm. you have you finished it i'm finishing it and i use i'm not i don't want to say too much about it but it is i'm obsessed with it it's absolutely oh, yeah. class especially because it's set in newcastle uh, and what i was going to say before was that there are many similarities between this and absorbed and because i'd read so much of boy parts today in my head i was like was that in boy parts or absorbed you know, the tones are they are similar it's body horror yeah. being the big thing it's that kind of anyway and we'll talk about this next week but i'm very very excited about this book i think if you are planning on reading a book that you then want to listen to the podcast for this should be the book just judging by how quickly you've read because you started it today didn't you i started it yesterday night so it's 24 it's been less than 24 hours so i really have been off work (laughs) (laughs) like if you want to read a book in order to listen to it this should be the one maybe because i i literally just read the opening um what's it called dedication and it's just for my mum and dad please do not read this and i was like i'm in i'm in i'm in i'm in i'm in and i'm buzzing my lips off about it already and Um, it'll and i bet it says for my mom and dad as well reading mom yeah probably i've never seen before and she's uses all no i'm getting into talking about it now because i'm so excited especially any geordies listening to this get it read it's got heating in it it's got walker in it it's just like where i go you're gonna have to be like my Susie dent for this book i will please ask us questions about stuff because it's really important to the story well when you know where that she lives in jesmond that's really important drink Um, what i was gonna say yeah it was a drink but also something else about it i can't remember oh well you being buzzing about it I feel as though I've written it just because I recommended it. Yeah. So I feel really smug about this already. You should. You should. It's it's on you, babe. It's it's. Con- do you want to just? Yeah, I was going to say, do you want to give me a quick thank you or something? Mm-hmm. Thank you very anyway, much. Anyway, because you've read it, I asked you what the drink recommendation should be. And this year, as you will have heard from being avid listeners of the podcast, Paul finally got into the most attention-seeking, second most attention-seeking drink on the planet after martinis, which is, of course, a Bloody Mary. Not 100% sure why that's going to be the recommendation, but I'm really happy about it, especially if we're recording it on a hangover. Yes, and that's when you get most attention for the Bloody Mary. Yep, yep, yep. It's all working out. Oh, Paul, imagine this. Just to quickly flash your mind forward to Sunday, we're going to be in a living room. There's going to be 19 other people in there, including a comedian, and we're just going to say, oh, sorry, guys, we just have to leave. We're just going to make a quick bloody memory. We're just ha- we're going to have to leave and record. <laughs> bloody our... memory. Is that what I said? Yeah, that, that sounds great. We're going to make a bloody memory <laughs> in the other room by recording this. Oh, my potty God. <laughs> with a bloody M. <laughs> we're going to, yeah, we're going to record a potty with a bloody M. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to have a fabulous time. I'm really excited yeah. about it. Yeah. Me too. And on Instagram, we have posted our lots of the books that we're reading this year because you were all saying that you wanted to read them before the podcast so please have a look at those they're going to be vaguely in that order obviously you don't have to read all of them but like read some and then it might be more fun to listen to the podcast when you have read the books and then you can send us your thoughts as well we'd love that because then at this point we could be like and um susan from biggleswood thinks that absorbed is really fit you know what i mean yeah exactly Uh, it would really help me out yeah and then we wouldn't have to think of so many opinions because bloody hell it's taxing 
and yeah so we've I've just made a link tree on the Instagram I'm so proud of myself it is really sexy it's quite minimal and like scandy and I'm into it yeah oh god yeah and yeah so email us readingpretension at gmail.com follow us on Instagram and we're so happy to be back in 2022 (laughs) (laughs) still going strong motherfuckers yeah see you next week see you next week babies Bye -bye. bye bye love ya